0: I'll play back the levels the way you said them. Say it on me.
1: Hey pussy, are you still there? Lee! I
0: back. People are always saying about the talk, and I talk, and I talk, and I talk, but guess who can walk? I
2: back it up! I back it up! That means it's time to roll, baby. You got nothing going on between your ears, bro. Hey, John, do you think I'm just gonna sit there and let you kill me, John? I mean, really. You think I could beat every girl in my division with one hand. That guy is such a dick. I mean, you show your true colors after a fight. That
3: fucking guy comes up to
0: me. You know who you are, huh? I don't.
1: Nothing yet. <laughs> hope you God you come ready. Hi, I'm Michael Morgan and welcome to this week's episode of the Woke Now, the beats you're hearing, the dulcet tones um, actually flying through the airwaves is courtesy of 0.5XL. I mean, I have to say, gee, ain't that sweet music. Oh,
2: I loved it. The beat was hot and also like, you know, all the little fighter inserts and stuff. That was dope, dope, dope. Mm.
1: But can you name each and every one of them? You know what? Pause. You know what we should do is set a competition. At some point, uh, people basically have to identify who exactly was actually in the intro. But That's a good um, idea. you know, yeah. I mean, speaking of intros, um, can you get a bigger intro to 2020 than the card that we've got coming up? Basically, UFC 245 for me. You know, this gets banded about quite a lot. It's a stack card. It's, it's on fire. It's flames. Man, this, I think, really does live up to the title of stack card because really and truly, in recent memory, I mean, look at the year that we've had. We've seen
2: some good uh,
1: cards, but none as stacked as this, right? Oh,
2: yeah. This is, uh, again, uh, a Super Bowl type of card. Like The card's so stacked that even the prelims um, could be like fight night You know, main cards or even on the pay-per-view. You know, it's it's just mm. nuts and I cannot wait.
1: But UFC 245, which goes down in Las Vegas this coming weekend, headed up by Kamaru Usman versus Colby Covington. It's almost as though it's uh, good versus evil, but, <laughs> you know, for me, <laughs> for me, this is a card, as I mentioned earlier, which is just stacked. You know what? Let's just get Let's into go. it. In terms of the main card, I think that's obviously going to be our focus today, but... For me, I would say Mike Perry, yes, is an intriguing matchup. It's an intriguing addition to this card. But I've really got my eyes on Chase Hooper. How about yourself in terms of the previous Oh, my
2: God, yes. Um, You took the words out of my mouth. The Chase Hooper and uh, Daniel Tamar intrigues me. I was just tweeting about that. I cannot wait to see Chase Hooper handle UFC competition. Um, Totally in love with Jessica I versus Viviana Arujo. Mm. I'm probably like yeah. that is a very intriguing matchup and um i can't wait to see who prevails and i want to see how jessica i bounces back with such a opponent that is worthy you know and this uh, vivian is no joke and um i can't wait to see how she handles her because the vivian is well-rounded and she is a killer i mean there's just so many mike i could go on and on don't let me go crazy here <laughs>
1: Well, that's just it. That's why I'm saying that the the card from top to bottom is incredibly stacked. But for me, uh, going back to Chase Hooper, why I like the fact that, you know, we finally get to see this young man actually do the do and actually, um, you know, well, have his coming out party. You might recall a few months back, we actually spoke to Chase Mm -hmm. Hooper when he was first signed. I mean, he's coming off the back of a developmental deal with the UFC and to see him actually make his Octagon debut properly, and in front of such a like, live audience, such a huge crowd, and the fact he's on one of the most stacked cards of the year, or stacked cards of the year, is um, I feel something which is going to be something to behold, to be honest with you. Oh yeah, with.
2: he was a great guest on the show, and I want to see how this developmental program plays out in the big field, in the big leagues, you know? I want to see how it goes, and I'm intrigued by that. You know, and I love his um, opponent, Daniel Tamar. I feel like this is a a good matchup. Daniel's, you know, well-rounded as well. He's got some submission, you know, wins. He's got some decision wins. You know, he's a feisty guy. And I want to see how Chase handles a a formidable UFC opponent. And I cannot wait. I cannot wait. And Daniel uh, Tamar is coming off a win from UFC Fight Night 153. So, you know, he's got a little bit of that momentum with him, too. So we'll see how he, if he takes that into the octagon with Chase. I'm, I'm so intrigued.
1: Exactly. Now, speaking of momentum, I feel, you know, it's time to kind of slow a roll ever so slightly because I have to keep remembering our two contributions coming from Chisanga Malata and Kairos. I think first up, it's only right that we actually hear from Chisanga Malata.
3: In just a few days' time, the final UFC pay-per-view card of the year will take place at the T-Mobile Arena in Las Vegas. And boy, have the UFC set us up for a bang and for a great start to 2020. Of course, headlining UFC 245 is an eagerly anticipated welterweight title fight between Kamaru Uzman and Colby Covington. In fact, I, uh, I've, I must go back and readdress that. It's a welterweight title unification fight. I know it's not official, but people are... Forgetting the fact that Colby Covington was rather harshly, same as Tony Ferguson after he tripped over the wire ahead of USC 223, was stripped of the welterweight title for inactivity down to injury. I'm with my picks for this card. I'm gonna start with the previously mentioned fight between Yan and Faber. I wasn't a fan of this matchup when it was announced, and now that it's a matter of days away, I'm somewhat worried for Uriah. Taking on a killer on the rise like Peter Jan is a whole different kettle of fish than fighting someone like Ricky Simone. And obviously he's an up-and-comer himself, Ricky Simone, and that's no disrespect to him. But Peter Jan is arguably the best prospect in Europe. And for me, when I look at the matchup itself, Peter has superb footwork and such crisp boxing, which I feel... It's just going to overwhelm the Uriah, who I do believe is 40, if, if not, feel free to tweet me and say that I'm not doing my job and I don't know the fighter's age. But I just feel that this is going to be a, a step too far for Uriah, and I think that Yan is going to get the stoppage. Um, I'm going to go with Pere Yan, a second round TKO. Moving on to the fight between Marlon Moraes and Jose Aldo, some Brazilian-on-Brazilian crime. Um, All the talk going into this one, of course, has been about Jose Aldo's cut down to 130 pounds and how gaunt cool he lo- looks. And, I mean, you you take a picture, you take a look, sorry, you take a picture. <laughs> you take a look at the picture that Aaron Braunstetter posted uh, the other day um, from Aldo in camp. And people are right to have concerns. He already looks sucked in. And some people are already saying that he looks somewhat malnourished, which many, and myself included, believe could affect his ability to take a punch that being said people are also forgetting that Marlon himself cuts a tremendous amount of weight to get down to 135 I wouldn't be surprised if uh, camp he's walking around maybe in the 160s and also let's not forget coupled with that Marlon gassed out in his last fight against Henry Cejudo so I feel with less mass on him Jose could possibly if he can steer clear of getting in a firefight, he could possibly wear Marlin down and get the stoppage. I think possibly it would be in similar fashion to uh, Henry Cejudo's win over uh, Marlon and it would be in the second round. Second round, sorry, uh, that's my bad. <laughs> that's my bad memory coming into play. And the fight was only in June, so I can't believe I forgot that it was in the third round that Henry stopped. Uh, Marlon and retained his bantamweight title. Moving on to the first championship fight of the night between Amanda Nunes and Jermaine Durandamy. A rematch which has been six years in the making. Uh, this is going to be a very interesting fight. Jermaine has shown improvements since since losing to Amanda. I can't remember what card it was. I think it was November in 2013 but again don't quote me on that bad memory but for me I just can't see past Amanda out of the two of them, Amanda has grown has come on leaps and bounds in terms of her progression as an overall mixed martial artist and with Jermaine I don't think we've really seen that Don't get me wrong, Jermaine striking uh, in particular, her, her Dutch kickboxing style shouldn't be underestimated going into this rematch and I actually think that she has a better striking skill set to, to holly home but I think at this moment in time Amanda is just untouchable and I think she's going to She'll eventually figure out Jermaine and she'll stop her in similar fashion to Holly Holm. Whether that comes with a with a head kick or whatever, I don't know, but I see this fight being stopped in the second round. Moving on to the co-main event of the evening between the blessed one and the great Max Holloway versus Alexander Volkanovski for the men's featherweight title. Now for me, this is going to be the fight of the night. Alexander Volkanovski has been on absolute tear since he made his UFC debut, and indeed for the last few years. He's actually riding a 17 fight win streak, which a lot of people don't actually know unless you go and look at his record. And for me, what makes this fight so interestingly, so interestingly, sorry about that, so interesting is the fact that unlike Max's recent opponents, Alexander is going to be pouring on the pressure from Max from the get-go. Now, it'll be interesting to see how Max deals with somebody who is going to constantly be in his face um, and constantly wear him down. I, I I go back to Alexander's fight with uh, Chad Mendes where he was just constantly walking them down and he didn't give Chad any breathing room. But that being said, I think Max is going to be adequately prepared for Alex's forward pressure and will look to keep him away with his long reach and his long punches or counter him when he does come in and go go for the kill. Um, Alex is very durable and he can take it and uh, the fight with Chad Mendes attests to that fact. So I think that this fight is gonna be a decision for Holloway, but I wouldn't be surprised if it got stopped in maybe the fourth or fifth with Alex getting tired. But my pick for this fight is that Max, uh, goes the distance with him and gets a clear points victory and finally moving on to the main event of the evening the big one the welterweight title unification fight I know people don't think it's a title unification fight but Colby is for all intents and purposes still an interim lightweight champion Kamaru Usman versus Colby Covington for me this fight is really too close to call. um I know it's been said a lot by a lot of uh, MMA media members, but both men are mirror images of each other in terms of their skill set, and they operate at exactly the same pace. I think the general consensus is that Kamara will have the upper hand in terms of power, but it's by no means guaranteed that he'll be able to utilize his strength and power against Kobe. As we saw in this fight with Robbie Lola in the summer, Kobe's gonna come forward from the outset and he's gonna pepper Kamara with a barrage of punches at around 40 or 50, maybe even 60% that won't allow him to breathe. And he's just a slow and steady, constant pace, kind of like Nick Diaz in his prime. And for those of you who aren't familiar uh, with Nick Diaz in his prime, I urge you to watch his fight with BJ Penn where he just systematically broke BJ just with a slow, overwhelming amount of strikes. Now, Kamara, if he has to win, he has to be able to take the center of the octagon and not allow Kobe to dictate the pace the fight will go at. If he doesn't do that and he ends up taking the first step back or the first steps back and is in retreating mode and allowing Kobe to come forward, that's going to bring about the end of his reign as well to a champion. And from what we've seen of Kobe against uh, Robbie Lola and Rafael Desanos, it's very difficult to stop that Nick Diaz esque onslaught that wears you down and breaks your will so for me i'm going with the upset victory i'm going Kobe covington he's going to have his hand raised at the end of the fight and we're going to hear and new and we're never going to hear the end of donald trump making the ufc great again all right that's the final pick for me Chisanga from the daily star and daily express enjoy the fight this weekend guys
1: i, I I've, got, I've got to admit um this is going to be one of those episodes when everybody has differing views, when everybody's got a different hot take and everybody's got a different perspective. I feel, you know, there are going to be, I reckon, um, a few debates to be had on Twitter when we actually wrap this episode. But, you know, it's it's just... I feel so many of these fights, especially on the main card, are just too close to call. And some of them, you know, had me really racking my brains as to how they were actually going to turn out. Now, just going back to what Chisanga um, raised in terms of points. I mean, what was your opinion of um, his prognosis? I
2: agree with a lot of things that he said, but I do uh, not agree with Colby's hand being raised at the end. Um, <laughs> <laughs> that I don't agree with. I won't. I, okay. I won't rock with you, Chisanga. I love you, but no. Um, I just. But I do agree somewhat that it's going to be a very close fight. I'm not saying that Kamara mm-hmm. Usman is going to clean the floor with Colby Covington. He's most certainly not. And I agree with Chisanga. Like they are evenly matched. It's like they're fighting each other. It's like that meme when you see Spider Man pointing at himself. You know what I mean? <laughs> like yeah, that is what yeah. we have here, and that's what makes this matchup so damn intriguing. Is because none of us can oh. call it, and they have the same strengths. And you tell know, tell me about it. So, and but mm. I also th- let's yeah, go, yeah, go, th- ahead, go ahead.
1: I was about to say let's not go too too deep because we're going to be obviously o- offering our own oh, perspectives yeah, yeah. Um, in the fullness of time. Because I just wanted to get a quick take on what you thought of um well his perspective but that kind of like neatly segues then into kairos's corner
0: Mm. ufc 245 is right around the corner it's one of those stacked cards we've ever seen i will put it in my top five guaranteed you guys wanted me to do a main card breakdown i'll do that but before we get into that mike We agreed on something last week, first time ever, I'm excited, I'm looking to make it two for two, and if it doesn't happen, I'm going to see you in the streets because I'm sick and tired of it. There can't be dissonance amongst us, we got to be a unified front and a family, and that's what I'm going for right now. Let's break it down, but before we do, here's a side note. You guys always get upset when I make these picks and predictions, which is why I stayed away from doing it for a while. Get over it, I'm sorry I picked against your favorite friend, or your family member, or your training partner, I don't care, everybody else can do it, so why can't I? Let's jump it in to Kamaru Usman versus Kobe Covington. I think a lot of people think that Kamaru Usman is just going to absolutely run over Kobe. I don't see it that way. Yes, I think Kamaru Usman mixes it up better than anybody on the planet. He's not the best boxer. He's not the best kickboxer. He's not the best wrestler. But when he chains all of that into his wrestling, he is one of the most... Destructive and unpredictable fighters that you will ever face. I don't care who he matches up with at 170 pounds. He's very difficult and tricky to deal with. On the flip side, Colby Covington probably has better pure striking than Kamara Usman, which I don't think he gets enough credit for. The guy landed almost 400 strikes on Robbie Lawler, and sure they weren't the most significant strikes, but I guarantee you this: if I drip 400 drops of water on your forehead, it's gonna hurt eventually. Now think of that as punches. If I punch you 400 times in your face, it's going to hurt. So don't tell me it isn't. Significant significant because it's significant either way though I'm going with Kamaru Usman by unanimous decision I don't see him finishing it but if Kamaru Usman finishes it he is the man regardless next up is Max Holloway versus Alexander Volkanovsky a lot of people are very high on Alexander Volkanovsky he's at city kickboxing and those guys have some of the best strikers on the on the planet period point blank but I'm gonna tell you this right now Max Holloway is not just ridiculous at dictating pace. He can also adapt to the pace that you put on him, and he has ridiculous grappling. We just haven't seen it as of late because I don't know if he doesn't want to utilize it, or maybe he feels like it's not as impressive as his opponent's wrestling and he doesn't, or grappling and he doesn't want to make a mistake. But I promise you this: if Max decides to grapple with Alexander Volkanovsky, that's going to be another dimension that is going to be too much for Alex to already handle. He already has to overcome the amazing reach, the amazing size, and the amazing skill level of Max. In this fight, I think Max wins by United's position, or maybe he gets a TKO in the fifth round. Sure, Alexander has incredible cardio. He has incredible striking, but I just don't see him overcoming his deficits in this fight. Next up, we got Amanda Nunes versus GDR. GDR is underrated, but before we get into that, put some respect on Amanda Nunes' name. I see so many people never mention her in the co conversation as if she just hasn't been tearing through Hall of Famers, and not just tearing through them, finishing them put some respect on her. She's a double champion. I think she wins this fight as well. I don't think she finishes GDR. GDR is very skilled and she loves hitting after the bell. So maybe that'll save her a little bit. Um, let me joke. Let me, let me chill out. But I think Amanda Nunes wins by decision. I think she'll probably win 48, 47. I'm not sure if she'll 50, 45 or, or 49, 46, but I, I feel confident that she ekes, uh, ekes out a majority decision. Marlon Marais versus Jose Aldo. I know a lot of people are counting Jose Aldo out. You're wrong for that, and let me tell you why. This man absolutely delivers every time he has to fight in five-round fights. This is a three-round fight. He has nothing to worry about with his cardio or his endurance in this fight, and he shows up and shows out. We've seen what happens to Marlon when he's the nail. Aldo can be a nail, and he can be the hammer. Marlon crumbled under pressure when he fought um, Henry Cejudo, which is... Not to say that Henry Cejudo isn't an amazing fighter, but we saw what happens when he takes punishment. He's going to take punishment in this fight. I don't care that people think that this weight cut is diminishing Aldo. It seems like he's doing it the healthy way. It seems like he's naturally losing that weight. And I think he comes into here and shows us just who he truly is and reminds us once again. I see Jose Aldo um, going by unanimous decision or maybe he gets a third round TKO. But I'm telling you right now, stop sleeping on Jose Aldo. And last but certainly not least, we got Peter Yan versus Uriah Faber. Now, a lot of people are very high on Yan as well. And maybe it's just just new car syndrome where we smell and see something new and we're automatically like, I'm ready to jump on it. Well, guess what? I'm not ready to do. I've seen no indication that Yan is equipped for this style fight because Uriah Faber has so many different ways to win. He has so many different tools at his disposal. And it's not like he didn't take a lot of time off. The man took, what, three years off, came back one, and now he took a decent amount of time off from his previous fight. He's well-rested. He isn't dealing with the lingering issues, and I'm telling you this right now. He has way too many tools in the toolbox to be underestimated in this matchup. Anything can happen. He could easily rock Yan and submit him with a guillotine or a rear naked choke, and that's pretty much how I see it going down. Sure, Uriah Faber has weaknesses to leg kicks, but I don't see Yan really capitalizing on that, and I don't really necessarily see Yan winning this fight, period, point blank. I'm going with Uriah Faber, and I think he gets a submission in the second round. I'm calling it. Those are my shots. I'm taking them. If you guys want to argue, hit me up. Thank you all so much. Have a great day.
1: As usual, Carlos, I feel we are definitely getting closer and closer each week to throwing hands. I'm actually going to invest in some gloves because... Boy, me and you, we, I feel, are going to get into it. But speaking of getting into it, I I think it's only right that, you know, we actually break down from our own perspectives uh, the main card. Starting off with Peter Yan and um, U.I. Faber. For me, I really do feel that age is nothing but a number. Now, coming up to my 50th this weekend... Uh, I would be saying that (laughs) it's a nice birthday present. I must say, actually going to be watching this in the early hours of the 15th of December, which is going to be for us when the main event actually or main card actually rolls around. The 15th being my birthday. But I think that this is an early birthday present in that going back to the age is nothing but a number Um, theme. Ui Faber pushing way past 40 and change now, going up against what is arguably, I mean, don't get me wrong, Nathaniel uh, Wood, I have to say, one of my favourite and one of my, um, I would say, um, prospects to watch. But Peter Yan, I have to say, really does clinch this title in terms of uh, most um well the prospect to watch especially going into the new year 2020 he has been on a tear as you know he's a rising star and as as i mentioned he's been on quite a tear with an eight fight win streak unbeaten in the ufc and he's only lost you know in his 14 pro fights coming by way of a split decision at the hands of uh, magomed uh, magomedov now you may not um know this promotion too well in the states but a lot of people um actually saw him come to prominence in ACB it was uh, well before it was changed i think it's now called ACA but uh he started off in ACB before he went to the UFC he did a, a, a little bit of work in there
0: mm.
1: and um he lost as i say, to, in in the uh, in the in the eyes of the judges to magomed uh, magomedov and this is Pyotr yang um, and a lot of people, including the then ACB president at the time, thought, you know, he'd actually won. And that's why they actually put on a rematch, which uh, he won via unanimous decision. But Faber, for me, is, well, he's coming out of a short-lived retirement. But also, I have to say, he's looked spectacular, considering, you know, as I mentioned, he's pushing 40 and change. Now, the fact is this, I really do feel that Yan is going to bring the relentless, unfortunate well, unflinching pace that he does. And I feel that's going to be too much for me. It's going to overwhelming. And we may well see a very short-lived comeback from your Faber. How do you oh, say I'm,
2: I totally agree with you and Chisanga. I feel like Peter Yan is the prospect that is coming up in Europe, just like Chisanga said beautifully. And I just don't think that... I think Uriah Faber is a great fighter, and I still think he's really damn good. That's why you saw him take out um, Ricky Simone that way. However, um, Peter Yan is not Ricky Simon. You know what I mean? Like He's a totally different fighter. Yeah. He's a better fighter. His angles, his footwork, and his fight IQ are something that is going to give Uriah Faber a problem. You know what I mean? And I just really mm-hmm. don't think yeah. it's going to be Uriah Faber that takes out Peter Yan if and when he loses, I, I just don't see it. And I don't know how Faber does it. I would like for him to prove me wrong. I want Uriah Faber to win, but I don't mm-hmm. see how he does it. And I don't see how anybody can convince me. So unless you're just a huge fan, I think it's just a lot of recency biasy. everybody saw, you know, Uriah come out of retirement and smoke this young kid. And now they're on this bandwagon, but let's not forget. Remember who Peter Yan is that, that winning streak and how, good he looked against Jimmy Rivera and how he's just tearing everybody up. Let's remember that, too. Even though Uriah Uriah had a great showing against Ricky, but remember who Peter Yan is. You know, one
1: of the kind of things hanging in the back of my Mm -hmm. mind, just slightly, ever so slightly, there's a reason I feel that Uriah has come back. And he's obviously seen, he's obviously weighed up. And, uh, you know, obviously at some point had to agree to this fight. So there's obviously something that he's seen there that he feels that he can exploit. But that's the only thing nagging in the back of my mind that could see this possibly edging towards UI. But no, I mean, my gut instinct says Peter Yang.
2: Yeah, I'm going with Peter. And like I said, I'm going to say it again, I want Uriah to win. I mean, I just love writing this comeback kid <laughs> fairy tale. He's a nice guy. I've been watching him since the WEC. It would be, it would tickle me pink for him to keep winning and especially take out somebody like Peter, but I don't see it happening.
1: And speaking of WEC, segue neatly into the next matchup, Jose Aldo uh, versus Marlon Moraes. Now... I'm going to throw it open to you, first off, because I'm ever so slightly worried about Jose Aldo. but go for it.
2: Um, <laughs> we're, we're, we agree. I'm, I'm worried. Mm. That's my, my concern is that the weight cut is going to affect his chin, affect his output. And here's something else that a lot of people don't discuss. I haven't really been seeing him leg kick a whole lot. And I think that's a huge part of his game plan and why he's won, you know, in the past. And I don't really see him doing that as much anymore. And that worries me as well. And and I understand Marlon cuts a lot of weight and he walks around huge, like Chisanga said. But, I mean, I don't, I don't really, I'm not really concerned. He's in a weight class that he's comfortable in, even if he's cutting a lot of weight. Like, we don't. You know, we question his cardio, but Jose Aldo, we've never, ever seen at this weight class. And then he's coming to fight a beast. Mm-hmm. I mean, Marlon was just fighting for the title, and now you have Jose fighting in a whole new division. We haven't seen him, and what we have seen has been concerning. So I wonder if his power and his speed and the lack of leg kicks, is that going to affect him at bantamweight? And there's just too many X factors here for me to pick Jose Aldo comfortably. You know, I want to as a fan, but too many X factors. I can't pick him comfortably. I'm going to go with Marlon.
1: Similar to yourself. I do worry about the cut down to Bantamweight. It just does not suit him. I mean, okay, we have to kind of like measure this. Mm -hmm. And a lot of what we're seeing on social media, how much of that is doctored and how much of that is, you know, Photoshop's finest? Because it's already been proven like a lot of the actual pictures we've been seeing have been tweaked, have been kind of like trying to make out as though there is some massive problem here. But it's just the fact that he is cutting down from a weight, as in featherweight, where he struggled anyway, before, previously. And as I say, that didn't suit him. And this is a further cut down. Later now. in, later in is, age,
2: Mike, too. Yeah, yeah exactly. Okay.
1: Exactly. That. That. I hadn't I, I even yes. factored in, but you're right. I'll, I'll, I'll take that because not only is the fact that he is um, in front of Marlon Marais, who, you know, he's faced an absolute murderer's row in terms of past opponents. John Dodson, um, Aljamain mm-hmm. Sterling. I mean, remember that KO knee victory? Remember oh, that? yeah, absolutely. Do you remember that Javi Rivera um, head kick KO? Yeah, <laughs> I have to. Rafael Asansa. You know, the fact is, he's been able to mix it up as well in terms of the way that he's been finishing mm-hmm. people. He's finished via um, submission, uh, guillotine choke, And he's basically okay. Let's just Mm -hmm. pause, pump the brakes ever so slightly. He has, you know, lost his last fight. um, Well, against Henry Cejudo, right via TKO. But his batting average against stellar opponents. Pretty damn good. Yeah.
2: <laughs> and, and he no. lost to Henry Cejudo, the champ that is doing, mm. you know, he's having all these miracle fights. Like, this guy is like the comeback yep. kid anyway. And then, you know, yep. we, we, he also lost because of his cardio. And also, he was facing possibly one of the best athletes in the world at the moment. So, you, you can't mm. really discredit him too much for that loss. And now, this, the same person we're discussing is fighting Jose Aldo, who looks emaciated at the moment. I don't know. I'm nervous.
1: Yeah, me, me and you both. As I say, that the worrying thing for me and, of course, yourself, and you know, it is, it is doing the rounds in terms of opinions, is the weight cut. And um, that in itself, uh, I think, will deplete any uh, possibility, I feel, of a victory for, for Jose Aldo here. Oh,
2: yeah, but kudos to him for taking this fight. This is no easy fight. And then also the challenging weight cut. I mean, I'm so imp- I don't care what he looks like. I'm impressed that he's even trying to do this and that he's going to do this and that he's going to give it his all at this age. I mean, the guy's a legend. Period.
1: Oh, big time. Big time. Moving on. Amanda Nunes versus Joraine Durandamy. Now, I have to say, I saw some intriguing facts and figures which came through about um, Amanda Nunes. Now, albeit that, you know, this was actually created by the UFC. But I just want to run through a few of them because they are, well, they make for interesting Mm. reading. Fact is, she obviously holds two UFC championship belts. She's the first woman to win two UFC championship titles and to hold them simultaneously. She's actually defeated two Olympic gold or Olympic medalists. And she's had four successful UFC bantamweight title defences. I mean, oh, the list actually mercy. goes on. It, <laughs> it it basically reads as a kind of like tick box in terms of what actually constitutes a GOAT greatest of all time. And she's ticking all the boxes from 13 knockouts, 13 uh, five-round finishes. Oh, sorry, first-round uh, finishes. She's kind of like... I would say the equivalent of, you know, the Mike Tyson, as it were, of the, the, the female, um, uh, well, the, the female division. In terms of what she brings to the table, did we, let's not forget as well, she's the cyborg killer. She's the Ronda Rousey
2: killer. She's the Holly Holm killer. She's the she double even has champ, win as over, I mentioned She even earlier. has a win over Julia Budd in Strikeforce. Like, mm. <laughs> it's and, ridiculous. And, and... Joraine Demandamy. Yes, Joraine Julia Budd, I mean Cyborg. The list mm. goes on and on. Exactly. Ronda Rousey, Valentina, Shayna Baszler. I mean, what else does she have to do for folks to finally say she's the GOAT? And I will admit this. You know, uh, not too long ago, I, I, I wasn't convinced. I was being a hard, hard ass. And then I had to do my little research like you, and I had to sit back and think, what the fuck is wrong with me? This woman is the greatest of exactly. all time. <laughs> like, she's she's she's. Wonderful, And um, I mean, I think she gets it done with GDR, but, you know, I think I think it's time for us to really, really consider her as the GOAT. And I think we need to discuss this more. It's just amazing to me that it's not bigger of a deal. Do you. Does that make sense, Mike? Like, I feel like she's not getting enough, I, you know.
1: Accolades for that. I think it may. Well, yeah, you're right. I think it may be that you know. First of all, people may have written off um Durrani by the fact that you know she's faced her before. But I think maybe Germaine Durrani doesn't seem to have a hell of fans. When you think about it, she's known as the person who dodged. Cyborg. She's known as, as the person who, you know, has been defeated by um, Amanda Nunes previously. So it's like, well, where's the challenge in that? When you look at those two factors, yeah.
2: I mean, I, I understand that, but Mike, I just feel like the fans are just a little bit too hard on GDR. You know, when she, when she hit Holly home after the bell a few times, they they didn't forgive her for that. And then when she was like, I don't want to fight a former user And Chris Cyborg, the fans were turned off. So yeah. no matter what she mm. does, if you look at her record, the fact that she beat up a guy, <laughs> the fact that her striking is on a whole nother level and that her resume is utterly ridiculous as far as being a kickboxing champion. And then her record in the UFC. I mean, what is it? Hasn't she only really lost to Amanda Nunes? Like she her striking is is unprecedented. But because of like some actions in the past, the fans just don't give her a chance. And I keep going on Twitter and being like, I still think Amanda's going to beat her, but it's not going to be an easy feat. Like, this is this is going to be, I think, her toughest challenge up to date. But it's just a shame the fans, they don't feel her, you know?
1: You know, in terms of getting it done, I totally agree with you there. It won't be a no. quick finish. But, you know, and also, let's not forget to give respect where it's due. You know, because GDR has got... Wins over, Aspen Ladd, Holly Holm, mm-hmm. Rackle Pennington, And, you know, I do think Nunes gets this done, though, but I don't think this will be a walk in the park, and I don't yeah, think it will be a Yeah, you're not going to
2: see what um, Amanda did to Holly Holm to GDR. You're just not. It, it, <laughs> she's not going to fall for a fake and get kicked in the face. She's just not going to. I mean, anything can happen, don't get me wrong, but it's not going to be an easy fight for Amanda, and she might have to grapple with her. She might have to take her down. So we'll see what happens. Though.
1: Well, you know, I'm telling you, man, <laughs> I'm counting down the hours. We haven't got long to wait now. But okay. next up, Max Holloway versus Alexander Volkanovsky. How do you see this going down?
2: Um, I'm going with Max Holloway. But it, it, this is similar to Amanda and GDR. I don't think this is going to be an easy fight for Max by no means at all. I think he's going to have some trouble with Alexander, but I think he's going to win by decision. I think he's going to use his length, yeah. his range, and his footwork to outwit Alexander and, and get the job done with points. Okay? It, it's. I think he's, But I don't think he's going to dismantle him, but I do think the champion is going to pull it off because Alexander is no joke with those 17 wins in a row. He's incredibly strong. And he's really damn good, and people are sleeping on him. And you know what happens when you sleep on people. They just come up and they surprise yeah. you. They don't care yeah. what you think. And he has that type of attitude if you watch him at the press conferences and whatnot. He doesn't care what you think. He's coming to take Max's head oh, off. 100%.
1: Yeah. What do you think? Mm. What I love about this, you know, Styles do make mm-hmm. fights, and they are just like, again, this is like Spider-Man pointing at yep. Spider-Man when you think about it. In terms of their pressure fighters, they are basically, you know, always chasing down their opponents. They're always meeting their opponents in the middle of the arc You know, and also, you know, the last time that Volkanovsky actually lost a fight, I did some digging, was way back in 2013. Now, since then, he's been decisively slaughtering all comers, even, you know, when going to a, Mm -hmm. a decision. They've all been unanimous decisions. He's a finisher. Yeah,
2: and I think people are just sleeping on him, and they're not realizing, they're not doing the research, they're not watching old fights they're you know they don't realize that this guy is the rightful contender and he is going to give max some problems he's 20 and one Mm. (laughs) he has 17 wins in a row and it's a well-rounded you know history of wins he's got tkos decisions um dominant decisions he's unanimous rear naked chokes guillotine chokes people people are sleeping on him you know
1: Yeah, you're right. You're right, because the fact is he's equally as, you know, lethal on the ground as he is standing up. Man, man. This
2: card, man, amazing.
1: Yeah, (laughs) tell me about it. (laughs) Tell me about it. But last, (laughs) I have to say, they have actually, um, in terms of the breakdown of this card, in terms of the running order, they couldn't have actually scheduled this. More perfectly. Kamaru Usman versus Colby oh Covington. The title fight. When you think about this, though, well, Covington was actually stripped of that title. He didn't actually give it up. So this, for me, is kind of like title holder versus mm-hmm. title holder.
2: It is. And as much as I dislike, you know, the Colby Covington character and all the, the negative stuff he brings to MMA, um, he deserves to fight for the title and he should have been fought for the title. He is the rightful contender. And I, I just didn't understand why he had been stripped. I, I kept hearing rumors it could have been financial. It could have been animosity between him and Dana. And I don't really care. When when you're, you know, destroying people left and right and have the winning streak that he does, you make him fight for the title. So you damn right that he's fighting Kamara Usman. I'm totally fine with him being the, the challenger here. And he deserves it.
1: You know, th- you'll have to explain this to me, but a lot of stories being put by the fact that you know we've got a D1 wrestler in Colby Covington fighting a D2 wrestler in Kamaru Usman is there much in this 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 assertion that you know This D1 versus D2, there there is something in there. Well,
2: according to Twitter, because it's like, I've never been a wrestler, Mike. But what I am seeing online is, yes, that apparently a D1 wrestler is better than a D2 wrestler. And that's another part of the intrigue of this matchup is that supposedly Kobe Covington's, you know, D1 wrestling is better than Usman's. But at the same time, they seem equally as, you know, talented in the wrestling department. So... I don't know. I think that's going to be some type of low-key wrestling type of, you know, um, what's it called, um, rival here that we got going. So we'll we'll just see how it plans out of whether D1 or D2 wins. But I do believe that D1 is a better grade of wrestling and D2 is, is, is mm. you know, D2 is not as good. But I don't know how to compare them. They yeah, seem both great at it. Y- I don't know.
1: Exactly. That's what I'm saying. I mean, the fact is – this is what it looks like on paper you've got a d1 versus a d2 but when you look at what actually happens in practice especially what actually um transpires in the cage i get that one is supposedly Superior, better than correct. the other but again right. a- again for me they are both when you look at this and when you do the litmus test in terms of visuals they are both Almost as superior as each well, almost as formidable as each other, and you know you also have to factor in certain other things as well. Again, do some digging. There is a theme I would say to this main card in that the majority of the clashes and the matchups on it. You have to really go back a long way to have a look at you know where they picked up their losses. Similarly, here in the main event, you've got to go back to two thousand and thirteen to pick up the sole loss on Usman's record. Now we've seen them go back and forth with Colby Covington coming across as that annoying little brother that you want to oh smack the God. shit out of which makes you makes makes it such a compelling fight. You know what? I know this is probably where you and I are going to actually depart in terms of opinion, but <laughs> I like your shtick. Oh. I like, however annoying it can be at times. You know, he truly gets the you know role playing. When you think about it, this personality seems to have come about in the same way that Charles Donen, um turned heel, as it were. In that, you know, he wasn't actually engaging and he wasn't actually having any resonance or even um, penetration with the fans until he actually picked up this heel role. Until he started wearing that maga hat. Now, uh... don't get me wrong. I don't agree with the whole you know pro Donald Trump don't agree with any of that but and i i think that you know he fully believes in it and whilst he you know at times pulls it off quite clumsily i think it's it's got the desired effect because look you can't tell me that you aren't actually tuning in to see him get his ass handed to him
2: um I'm I'm so over I'm shocked First of all A few things I'm shocked That you like this sh- sti- And you were damn right That we're not gonna agree on this So allow me to just Take a deep breath And process this And then now I have some questions for you So excuse me As I breathe And now here come the questions Okay So I understand that you think This shtick is working Which it is So we agree on that Because I'm yeah. pissed And I'm yeah. tweeting about him Like a mad woman I know my followers are like Oh I'm, I wish Gina would Shut the fuck up But I It's I'm Yeah <laughs> 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 it's working yes Kobe, colby stick is working whether you like it or not mm. you could be like me and hate it but yet you're talking about it or you could be like a weirdo and think that it's actually funny and here's my question for you do you find his humor mm. f- funny because Chael Sonnen was funny i used to laugh i haven't laughed yet at snooze mon marty all that nonsense i just sit there straight face you find this stuff funny
1: no, but think about how many tropes. Nah, 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 nah. Now we get into the now we get into the crux of it. Think of how many tropes you have just described about the Uzman, about you know the maga hat, about every single aspect and every single thing that he brings up is memorable. And you are talking about it, so he is winning. He's winning from the from the respect that people weren't talking about him eighteen months ago. Now look at him; he's at the forefront of people's mind. Plus, really and truly. He's in a situation now where I have to say, you know, he's got what he was angling for 18 months ago to, first of all, be in the um, public consciousness. But secondly, to be in a situation where he has the title within his grasp. And you know what? Are you sitting down for this? Uh, yeah, I feel he does. Oh, my God. I feel that Colby okay. Covington will be having his hand raised. Look at their respective styles now. They are, that's why I asked you. That's why I started off with the whole D1, D2 um, aspect of this. Because for me, when you actually look at this cosmetically, there's not an awful lot in it. And that's why I wanted to say, you know what, am I missing something? Yes, I get the fact that obviously one is superior to each other or to, to the other. But when you look at actually what's transpiring in the octagon, really and truly... From my eye, there ain't much in it. And that's why, you know, going back to your um, whole Spider-Man versus Spider-Man, the only thing which I feel differs in their approach, in their style, they are both cardio um, animals. They are both incredible wrestlers. But for me, Colby takes the edge in terms of striking. Don't get me wrong. He's not going to knock out Kamaru Usman. Usman is just too strong for that. What I do see happening here is Colby Covington lane on a clinic in terms of volume. Remember what he did. Just just cast your mind back. Just remember what he did the last time to, you know, to what many people are looking at or to who many people are looking at as a mm-hmm. legend. Now, for me, volume is actually going to take this is going to take this to a decision and when people are looking back on this, when they're scoring this, and remember again, you know, Covington basically has racked up a record here in terms of strikes. Now, I have to keep underlining, he will not. I feel it will not end in a KO, but it will end in a decision. And it will be and his I hand
2: I mean, rest. we all know it's not going to end in a KO because that's not what Colby does. He sure says he, he does mm. every fight. He's going to leave someone in a puddle of blood, and he does not. Um, <laughs> he does the pitter-patter 3,000 volume punches, which is impressive. But also, mm. real quick, shout out to Karos. I have never felt so close to you before because Mike and Chisanga are crazy. Um, <laughs> Karos and I, we believe in Usman, and he's going to get it done. And here's <laughs> and here's why. Karos. I love you. Here's why. I um, <laughs> Again, the Spider-Man meme. Yes, they both have similar... Attributes and, and and accolades and yada yada yada, but I just think that yeah. Usman is going to stop all that nonsense with the pitter patter punches with his strength and cut him off and out wrestle him. Believe it or not, I think I was I was so moved by his performance against Tyron Woodley. He made Tyron Woodley look like he was fighting underwater, and I thoroughly believe he's going to do the same for Colby, but just not in such emphatic fashion. I still think it's going to be a close fight, but I do believe that Usman is going to get it done point wise and he retains his belt and also there's a little bit of bias in me as well and I was telling a couple of mm. my friends on MMA Twitter shout out to Uncle Yagi and a couple of people that I've been DMing and and having like little conversations with when I did media scrum at UFC 244 not one fighter picked Colby and I understand that some of them just don't like him and it's biased but a lot yeah, of them were exactly. just like he's just <clears throat> the better fighter and and, and it moved me I mean, Shane Burgos, um, Kevin Lee, Stephen Thompson, um, mm. Kelvin Gastelum, not one person picked Colby. Not one. And they gave reasons but, as to why not. It wasn't even just like, oh, he's a dick and I don't like him. But everybody was like, Guzman yeah. is a beast and you will see. And I'm going to go with these fighters. I just think there's something. And his but confidence he, right now. I don't know. Mm. I'm, I'm biased. I, I, that inter- I, those interviews changed I, 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 me. I, I, I,
1: Mm, I feel you, Stephen Thompson, uh, Kevin Lee, need to recognise something, though. Remember who he has run through. Robbie Lawler, RDA. The fact is, I mean, (laughs) Don Young Kim, come on. We're not looking at gimmies here in terms of previous opponents. The thing that actually convinced me that this was a possibility and that this was actually going to happen, when I saw what he did to Robbie Lawler, like I alluded to earlier, he's a legend. And he's a legend for stand-up, and he made him look ordinary. I feel, you know, a lot of people need to kind of give him his due. I get the whole personal issue. I get the the, the fact that people have trouble with his shtick. Right. But I also get the fact that let's just park how we feel about...
2: I will admit that I'm doing that right now. Like, you know me, Mike. I have picked on this show. I have picked people against my own heart. I do not pick with my Mm. heart. I pick with, you know... You know, the research, watching Fight Tape, the interviews that I did at Media Scrum in particular with this, you know, matchup. And, I, and, and yeah. I, I'm i not thinking about the stick because when it comes down to it, that stick is not in the octagon with him. When he fought Robbie Lawler, that stick was out of there. That persona was not there. It was Colby Covington, the chain wrestler, that pity-pattered mm. Robbie Lawler's face like no other and broke a record. I completely understand that. Because it's so funny, Mike, when you, when you talk about how you don't like, you know, the MAGA stuff and, and the persona that he brings to MMA, his fans... Like to remind you that he's great. I don't need a reminder, baby. This guy is talented. You know what I mean? Like, so trust me on that. I just also think that Usman is champion for a reason. And the same way you're moved that um, Colby dismantled Robbie Lawler is the same way I feel about what Usman did to Tyrone Woodley. I mean, mm. Tyron Woodley is is another beast, and Usman made him look like you know he was on another planet and underwater. And I was I was moved by that yeah. performance, and I have a feeling it's going to happen again, but not as emphatically and as decisively as he did to Tyron Woodley. I just think Usman's going to pull it off, and I pray to God he does because my whole life and everything is going to change <laughs> if Colby <laughs> Covington becomes. Wow. A, I'm going to be clowned on, M- on MMA Twitter. I'm going to be depressed. Yeah. And I might mm. have to drink or something. Like, I don't know. Like, <laughs> I don't want him to win. <laughs> but, man, this is so wow. I will say this real quick, Mike. Shout out, believe it or mm. not, to Colby Covington for making this kind of fun. The fact that I f- can't stand exactly. him. Exactly. And I keep tweeting mm. about him. And I keep clowning him. And it's it's actually like a little fun. I will admit that. I'm having fun. I hate the MAGA stuff, but and I do like making fun of him. And this is fun. You know?
1: mm. Mm, exactly mm-hmm. exactly well we haven't got long to go we're literally days away so more than likely um, I can see a few uh, few push up challenges going down but I wouldn't want to heap another one on you because I've not seen the you the know the I've been one. working
2: like a slave don't even try <laughs> for those that don't know I have a job too I don't just tweet so <laughs> but you will get them okay. soon no worries. thank you I will take you get an extension. Get, remember, thirty. I right? remember. Not twenty-five. I, you'll get them. You'll get them. As <laughs> yes. soon as I get a break.
1: <laughs> Incredible. Well, that about wraps up this episode of the WOcast. There are oh, various ways you can actually interact with us, and that is you can do that through the Twitter, the means of Twitter, and that is you can get G on G
2: from WoTV.
1: or you can get me on. Like, TV or you can interact through the comments on the website. Until next time, make some right when I
2: see you.